Welcome to another episode of Rising Tide. Again, the purpose of Rising Tide is to educate, heal, and empower by bringing on the world's most brilliant minds and purest souls. Today, I am humbled and honored to have a rising tide in the building, Mr. Les Brown himself. How are you doing today, sir? I'm blessed to be in the presence of greatness. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, I am humbled and honored today. Thank you. I, I feel the same. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making with people, and the stand that you've decided to take with your life. We need more young men like you out here every day to eliminate two main viruses that were around before the coronavirus, HIV, hood-infected virus, AIDS, addiction to incarceration, and death syndrome. So I'm glad you showed up as an assassin to kill those viruses of mediocrity. <laughs> hey, but if I can speak some truth now, you played a major part in that because I, I can't remember what age I was, but my mom introduced me to you uh, through a book. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Live it was dreams. a white. Yes. Yes. That's my first book. From there, I stumbled upon YouTube and consumed all that. Uh, then got into the audio tapes and I don't even know how many hours I have spent literally allowing you to pour into me via just books, audio tapes, videos on YouTube and so many different things. So I appreciate that. And even the seminar that you did with Tim, being able to uh, hear you speak uh, as a participant on that, um, that has played a huge factor in me staying hungry, as you say, mm -hmm. uh, pushing through, fighting. Uh, when I just really need, again, that motivation and that ump, you're, you're like one, you're on the mountain Rushmore of people to go to. So I just want oh. to give you flowers because <laughs> this, this moment's yeah. like surreal. Oh, you, you're very kind. Well, you did something that's very important. I say to people that what you turn into, what you tune into, what you listen to, you will turn into. People say about computers, garbage in, garbage out. That does not apply to human beings. Garbage in, garbage stays, and it will manifest itself in so many ugly ways. So thank you. Thank wow. you so much for that being something that you would be attracted to because that's what's in you. Come on, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a bar, what you said. Uh, garbage in, garbage stays, and then it'll manifest in so many ugly ways. Man, I'm going to have to write that one down. That was a bar. And that's another thing. It's like always being inspired by just the quotes that you were able to say, the conviction and the power within the voice, uh, the stories. Um, man, just from how you got started to uh, what happened when you had bought your mom the first house, just always overcoming obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and then just being able to when you even seen that guy speaking and you're like man I can kind of do what he's doing and then be able to get to the level that you got to man that, <laughs> it's just an inspiration man so I appreciate you for just walking your truth and just being an example for you know setting the path for us to be able to do the same thing so I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I believe that we all have built-in greatness, but most people don't take the time to focus, to put in the work, the effort, and focus on developing what's in us already. I recently discovered my birth family, parents, and for the first time at 76, I laid eyes on a picture of my father and my mother. And I met two brothers that I did not know that I had, including a sister. Wow. And when I realized that my birth mother, her name is Dorothy Bell, that she was a motivational speaker. And my grandmother, Beulah Rucker, she was a motivational speaker too. But the two sons that she raised, my brothers, they did not follow what they saw. Isn't it interesting how people could be in the same house, same parents, same circumstances and end up dramatically different. And, and so, but here I am, I never saw them alive. 
and I'm just like them. <laughs> I have what wow. you call the kid helps it. <laughs> I can't help myself. I can't help it. I got to help people. I got to speak. I've got to train speakers. And I'm going to do that till I leave here. <laughs> do you know if your mother knew the path that you were on as far as being a speaker? I'm sure she did because wow. they said she loved motivational speakers. And I remember in 1992, when I released my book, a lady came up to me in Atlanta when the crowd died down asking for autographs. And this lady, she said, would you hold your hand out, please, sir? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she put a small picture in my hand. You know, there was a time, millenniums don't know about this, you go into a little booth and pull the curtain, take a picture, one of those little small pictures. And she said, look at that when you get a chance. And so she turned and walked away with the gentleman that brought her. So something said, look at it now. So I, I, I took it out and I looked and it was a picture of me and my twin brother. I said, where did you get this from? And as she was walking away, she just turned and she waved and smiled and kept walking, did not come back. And people just continued to crowd me asking for my autograph. But I knew on that day, just recently, that came to me in a dream of that moment that that was her. She came wow. and she saw me in person, but she did not introduce herself as my mother. But I know she died in 2006. I know that she she saw me. And when I met my my brother here in Gainesville, Georgia, he said, when I got out of the car, he said, he saw me. He said, he said, I, I look like the spitting image of her. And he watched me along with a cousin. And they said, the way that I cared myself and my communication style, it was no question that I was Dorothy Bell's son. It would be criminal to say otherwise. <laughs> Wow. This is just the last three weeks, man. So, you know, God is full of surprises. <laughs> That's powerful. Let yes. me ask you how, because, you know, through my observation and even through my own personal experience, so many of us can get stuck in life and, and just let it just, again, keep us there as opposed to being able to, I mean, you knew that you were raised by somebody that wasn't, you know, that somebody that gave birth to you, yet and still that didn't allow you to slow yourself down. You didn't use that as an excuse on why you're not good enough or why you don't deserve great things or why you're not worthy enough. How did, how did you reshift or did it ever affect your self-image, you know, growing up without your parents or? No, but you know, and this just came to me, my saving grace was that I decided when I was going to go and work with my mother when she was cleaning homes on Miami Beach, my brothers and sisters, mama, she took in seven foster kids. I was among them, but the neighbors wouldn't keep me. They said, Mamie, Leslie's a little touched in the head. <laughs> and I was, I would always get in trouble. I remember asking my twin brother, Wesley, they said, why don't you do something? They think I'm crazy. He said, you are. <laughs> and so my saving grace, and it just came to me now, that I decided looking around those big, beautiful homes, and we had linoleum floors, and they had carpet, and, and they had air conditioners, and we had fans blowing hot air in Miami, Florida. I said, Mama, and she said, what is it, Leslie? I said, when I become a man, I'm gonna buy you a big, beautiful home just like this. It was Victor Frankl who said that if, if you have a reason, your reason for being, you, you can endure almost anyhow, your, your why. And I started at that moment thinking about, visualizing, I remember having a card on one side, it was Matthew, seven seven I think what I think that was it 
Asking it shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened. On the flip side, I had a picture of a house that I wanted to buy my mother, but I said, I give thanks for the purchase of this home, fully furnished and everything taken care of that I have purchased for my mother. I wrote it like I'd already done it. We must call forth those things that be not as though they were. I practice that, I, I put that into practice. And I was able to do it, but it drove me beyond my comfort zone. The value of that is that when you go for a goal or a dream beyond your comfort zone, you discover a part of yourself that you don't know right now. And, and so most people, they go to their graves operating within the parameters of their comfort zone. That's why Miles Monroe said, rob the cemetery of your dreams, of your gifts. He's a bad brother. He's my good friend. I, I wrote the forward to his first book called Personal Potential. And, and so, but most people, they die at age 25 and don't get buried until they're 65. We were born to do the greater work. We were born to serve. The greatest among you will be your servant. We were born to live a life that will outlive us. That's why you have accepted the assignment of what you're doing right now. And so, when we challenge ourselves, when we begin to face something that Mark Twain said, he said the two most important days in your life, the day that you're born and the day that you realize why you were born. And so I know that I was born to speak. I told my kids, if they tell me you, your daddy's gone. I said, don't let him embalm me for three years, then sneak in the morgue and and put a microphone in my hand. If I don't grab it and say, you gotta be hungry. You can call your brothers and sisters say, he's gone now, he's gone. <laughs> he's out of here. <laughs> oh man, wow, that's crazy. Man, hmm. That, let me ask you, what is, how important in your experience is exposure and exposing yourself to things outside of just your family dynamics and your normal peer group and what you normally grew up around. Cause a lot of people are resistant to new ideas but it is the new ideas that will get your life to change. So how important is it as far as getting outside of your comfort zone and exposing yourself to things in which um, I guess make you uncomfortable or just make you that are just completely unfamiliar to you? Well, you know, most people go through life trying to play it safe. There's no safe position in life. You're going to die. <laughs> no, nobody's figured out how to get out of here alive. You are going to die. So you might as well become a risk taker. This God said, if you're not willing to risk, you can't grow. And if you can't grow, you can't become your best. And if you can't become your best, you can't be happy. And if you can't be happy, then what else is there? And so I believe that we are here to, to begin to live out what we know that's greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We are here to demonstrate and not just let it be lip service, but life service that, that we are more than conquerors. And when we live from that place of power, there are things that we can do that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered the heart of mankind what God has in store for you when you bet on you. And most people don't do that. And it's very important that well, we have to work on ourselves to develop our minds. And, and that's what you do. You read, you listen to things, you're studying, you're expanding your mind. You are willing to invest in yourself. During the the last recession, Warren Buffett was asked the question, what's the most important investment that one could make in life at this time? And he said, and here's a guy with billions of dollars in real estate, billions of dollars in the stock market. He said, the most important investment you can make is in yourself, in yourself. And, and so, but most people don't. The average person spends about $14.50 a year on their personal growth and development. And so when you are willing to invest in yourself, one, you're able to build mental resolve. In order to make it through the pandemic, 
and beyond the pandemic, you have to have mental resolve, mental strength. And so most people don't train their minds to serve them. They are governed by their minds. The second thing that's important is that you gotta be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn, no one can stop you. And so most people are not spending time learning new things. Most people spend time looking at television, Netflix, and, and being spectators and fans. There are three types of people that will come out of where we are now. There'll be millionaires, there'll be billionaires, and they will be witnesses. And you've decided that you're not going to be a witness. You've decided, and the people that watch you, that you want to be in that column of millionaires and billionaires because you know you got it like that. <laughs> Man, uh, you're right. Definitely don't want to be a witness. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that would be the worst thing. Uh, what is your belief, or not belief, but what's your perspective on the importance of environment and association as far as who you spend time with, who you allow uh, advice from, who you lend your ear to? Oh, man, you, that's a loaded question. And let me give you a loaded answer. Environment is everything. That's why God said to Abraham, get up and go to a new land. Environment is more powerful than willpower. People in the wrong situation can begin to lose themselves and become somebody that they were not born to be. And your relationships, the people that you communicate with. Sidney Poitier, the Academy Award winner, he wrote a book called The Measure of a Man. He said, when you go for a walk with someone, something happens without being spoken. He said, either you adjust to their pace or they adjust to your pace. The question is, whose pace have you adjusted to? In order to make it now, it requires mental resiliency. It requires practicing what I call OQP, only quality people. You earn within two to $3,000 of your closest friends. I got a call this morning and, and it's a, a job where I'll be, I'm considering going to Turkey and they're, they're gonna pay me like $150,000 for that hour presentation. People who make $150,000 an hour don't hang out with people who make $20,000 an hour because they have nothing in common. They have nothing to talk about. And so if people are serious about living their dream, they've got to look at their relationships and ask the question, what is this relationship doing to me? Am I becoming a better person? Am I growing mentally and emotionally and spiritually? Am I able to discover things about myself that I don't know right now? Is it enhancing me financially? And so my mother used to say, birds of a feather flock together. We have the ability to do more. And as I said earlier, we have built in greatness, but most people take that greatness to their graves, one, because they don't work on their minds. Two, because they don't look at the relationships that they're around and ask, is this relationship good to, for me? And there are people that are always there for you, for them, but they're not good for you. And the other thing is that you've got to be willing to grow. You've got to be willing to learn. You've got to be willing to expand your vision of how you see yourself in the world and be willing to go for it, to become a, a risk taker. Viscott said, if you're not willing to risk, you can't grow. And if you can't grow, you can't become your best. And if you can't become your best, you can't be happy. And if you can't be happy, then what else is there? Since the association and environment is so important, and since water tends to only seek its own level and it doesn't want to People don't want to tend to hang out below, like you said, 150,000 don't want to hang out with somebody that's 20. How, how do you get into the association of those in which who are living the life that you desire to live? What, what is the strategy or the method to get into the environments of where 
you're trying to be at, even though you might be where you are today? You do what you did. You use the relationship to get to me because that's what you wanted to do. We do what we want to do. Make a commitment, never ask how. I was dirt poor and I found people who had money that I developed a relationship with. People say it's not what you know, it's who you know. No, that's, that's true to some extent, but who you know and what they know about you, that's very important because you can know the right people, but they know you to be a flake, a person who don't have any integrity, a person who don't offer anything, no resources. Hey, why would they want to have a relationship with you? When I went to apply for a job at WMBM radio station, I had nothing. When the guys came out to the parking lot to get their cars, I'd wax their cars. I cleaned them inside out. I believe that when you are serious, you'll find ways to demonstrate, I'm a person that you can trust. I'm a resourceful person. I'm here for you. And, and, and so when you have that kind of mindset of serving the greatest among you will be your servant of serving, then the possibilities of developing relationship currency unlimited. As a result, I would, the guys would ask me to go get their lunch and their dinner. I was their gopher and I'd stand in the control room and I would watch them and study control boards and expect that one day my time will come. And it did. Facts. You kind of alluded to this, uh, but you didn't necessarily say the word initiative. Um, is that what you're saying? And if not, how important is initiative to the initiative journey? is everything. It's not enough to talk about it. It's about being about it. And I took the initiative to clean their cars. I took the initiative to demonstrate that I'm a resourceful person. I took the initiative to go to the radio station, even after I was rejected three times. I kept showing up because I was hungry. <laughs> this thing called life, you gotta be relentless. You've got to be the kind of person that's unstoppable, that refuses to be denied. And even at 76, I'm still hungry. I believe you're never too old to learn and you're never too young to teach. Hmm. That's another bar, man. You be dropping the boy. Oh, Come on man. now. Come on. I'm ready for you. <laughs> Come on. Bring it, my brother. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what are some ways in which a person can increase their discipline? Because in many areas, people might have goals. People might know what they want to actually do, but they struggle with the discipline to be consistent in certain areas. What were it's some things? It's not a struggle. It's a decision. We make decisions. Socrates said the undisciplined life isn't worth living. Do what you know, not what you feel. When I finish this broadcast with you, let me share something with you. I know I need to go for a walk. I don't feel like it, but I know that that would be good for me. And so therefore, I'm gonna do what I know, not what I feel. Most people allow themselves to be governed by their feelings. Do what you know, not what you feel. We know what to do. And just commit yourself that my life is worth it. And I'm gonna do what I can where I am with what I have and never be satisfied as George Washington Carver would say. No, you're right. It's definitely all about the commitment. I like how you just cut through because you're truly right, man. That everything else would have just been an excuse. It is just a decision. You got to get out your feelings. Yeah, it don't we make matter decisions what you feel and like. our decisions make us. We make decisions, our decisions make us. That's another one, man. I'm going to have to watch this again and write down so many different things. <laughs> but that's another thing that I appreciate because it's always been like that. I got notebooks, man. I don't know where they are right now, but 
of so many different just liners from the different videos of all the different speakers that I listened to. But definitely I remember from you. I remember one time in one of the audio tapes I heard where I think you said you had memorized over like 300 quotes or something where you would be able to say the quote and who actually said it. You know, that, you know, that I, I just want to give you your props on that. <laughs> well, I trained speakers and I have two speakers, Devin, Devin Rodriguez and Andy Henriquez, Andy Henriquez. Those guys, they're right on my heels. Oh man, they, 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 they have memorized a lot of quotes. They are coming for me, but I ain't scared. I know it. <laughs> because it's our passion. See, I, I'm living the life that I love. I think you should live life on your terms. Live a life that you love and love the life that you live. God is love and he who dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in them. When you find something that you love that can make a difference in people's lives that will allow you to live a life that will outlive you. When you find something that you love, that's your calling, a job that's what you get paid for, but a calling is what you're made for. Life takes on a whole new meaning. No, that's true. When you started out, did you know that you would be here like outside of you know getting the six figures for an hour to speak and all that which is <laughs> from when you started out thinking five thousand to speak was a lot like from getting a hundred thousand to speak but outside of that to just being again the I guess the godfather of speaking especially when it comes to black speakers like for anybody who is kind of interested in it or want is fully in, everybody knows if you're a person of color everybody knows Les Brown everybody everybody knows the impact everybody knows the path everybody knows and even everybody that you that like we look up to like Eric Thomas and how Eric just bigs everybody looks at you like because you were the first one that really showed us of color that you can do it and you can do it at the highest level possible. How does it feel, you know, being able to look back now at your path and just being able to see the, the impact? Like you didn't, like we're just now meeting the last couple of days and I'm telling you how much you influenced my life. I know you hear this on a daily basis from just countless people. So how does that feel? It's humbling. There are things that we can do that eye has not seen, ear has not heard nor is in the heart of mankind what God has in store for you when you answer the call on your life, when you say as Shekinah Glory would say, yes, Lord. When you do that, when you live your life from that place of faith, that life takes on a whole new meaning and it's humbling because I know I'm here because of God's grace and mercy. I, I should have been out here a long time ago. I had periods in my life and I look back and say, what state of mind was I in? How <laughs> you know I'm here because of God's grace and mercy. I wish I could take the credit for it, but I can. <laughs> well, let me ask you, along your journey, what was an experience or a moment that you had to exercise the most faith that you've ever had to express? When I was diagnosed, with prostate cancer. And the doctor said that it had metastasized to seven areas of the body and that my PSA was 2,400, one to four is normal. It was at that time. And I had an interruption. You know, when we speak your program, we distract, we dispute and inspire. And so, my doctor, Dr. Alfred Gosen, he was a bad brother. He said, Mr. Brown? I said, yes, sir. He said, um, there's something I've got to tell you. I said, yes. He said, you have prostate cancer. I said, hmm. He said, your PSA is 2,400. I said, what does that mean? Prostate-specific antigen, one to four is normal. I said, oh, hmm. He said, 
there's something else. I said, what, it metastasized to seven areas of the body, including the spine. I said, whoa. I said, is there anything else? He said, yes. He said, you're ugly too. <laughs> I said, you didn't just call me ugly. It's a serious conversation, man. He said, in fact, you're ugly. I said, oh my God. I will sue you for malpractice. He said, but you got this. He said, I determined the diagnosis. You and God determine the prognosis. You got this. I never tell my patients you're terminally ill. What I say is that my ability, my talents, and my skills have terminated. Now it's on you and God to determine what happens next. And as a result of that, I, I left his office. It, you know, cancer is the most feared word in seven different languages. I left his office not with a heart full of fear, but a heart full of faith. And faith not tested can't be trusted. And, and, and so faith finding answers in the heart, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And I knew I had this. And I was so glad that he disrupted my thinking. And that's what your program does. And, and speakers and trainers and coaches that are watching you and people just from everyday life. And so it has been a journey. It's been 29 years now. And I'm, I'm kicking cancer's butt so bad that the cancer rate in my neighborhood dropped by 97%. So don't go down that street. Let's run down there, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. No. That's another bar. So faith is a down payment on your future. Mm. Sheesh. <laughs> oh, that is uh let me ask you, what's one thing that you know now as an entrepreneur that had you would have known when you first started day one, it would have streamlined your success or it would have just made the path more smoother for you? It's not what you don't have. It's what you need that you feel in your mind that will help you get over. And I held myself back. I was a fan. I was a spectator for 14 years. I didn't attempt to be this Les Brown. Mike Williams, who wrote the book, The Road to Your Best Stuff, he saw this Les Brown before I did. Sometimes you have to have somebody in your life who will believe in you until your belief kicks in. So 14 years, that's gone. That's wasted. If you lose money, you can regain that. Those 14 years, I can't regain that. That's gone. And so I would have believed in myself from the get-go, but I did not. And so I would have gotten here faster. I know that there's no question. And so I encourage people, bet on you. Take a chance on you. In, in, the, in the play Lion King, Simba, you're more than that which you have become. You're more than that which you have become. Take a chance on you. Life is about walking by faith and not by sight. Call forth those things that be not as though they were. Got to be bold. Come on, somebody. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, what helps you with like, and we kind of talked about it with the faith, but more on a practical level, like what helps you with the mind management to hear you got cancer and just to respond mm. like what because a lot of people um, you know not saying that the thoughts didn't even come but obviously you didn't entertain the thoughts or you didn't allow the negative thoughts to dwell so how can someone who's typically had the habit of when those negative thoughts come they just dwell on them all day and they are they just sink into self-pity how can you have they the crowd them out you have to crowd them out we we Remember what I said earlier, we can't control what comes in our minds, but we can control what we dwell on. And what you listen to, you turn into. I listen to motivational messages daily, even now. Whatever you listen to the first 20 minutes of the day will control the spirit of your day. So I've developed a habit now. I don't watch the news like I used to watch it. Why? 
because it's not good for me. It's not mentally healthy for me. And we're being manipulated by algorithms. So now more than ever, algorithms know more about us than we know about ourselves. So you want to begin to monitor your intake. My talking to you now is good for me. I got a friend I called and talked to his wife and she is saying he's at death's door. And I've known him for years. I trained him as a speaker. He's one of my spiritual sons. And so I prayed with her. I'm gonna do what I can for her and her daughter, their daughter. That's all that I can do. And know that God is in the midst of this. Do what I can and know and trust it's in his hands now. So do we take hits? Yes. Do we cry? Yes. When I hung up, yes, I'm human. But what, what brings me back? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What brings me back? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. What brings me back? Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day that having done all to stand. And I stand on, he's in charge. He's in charge. And I'm thankful that I recognize that. And he's in the midst of this. Man, that, that one resonated with the spirit for sure. Mm -hmm. How, how can men in particular find their purpose a lot sooner? Uh, it's my experience that many of us are focusing on just like fun and all the other stuff like that. Now, you know, the media and everybody's kind of pushing that as well, you know, just anti-consequences, just all just pleasure, just you ain't got to think about the future, just only just consume yourself with the moment and all that other stuff like that. But how can a man get on his purpose a lot sooner? Because I know that a man not on his purpose can be a menace to society uh, or a menace to his relationships or just, we're not our best when we're not really following our purpose. Uh, how Chris, can a guy- I hate to tell you this, Chris. Most people rather die than change. There's a book called Change or Die. They did an experiment at a hospital, cardiology department. And they told these patients who had had recurring heart attacks, your next heart attack will kill you. But if you follow this protocol, plant-based diet, positive social support, meet at least twice a week, keep stress to a minimum in your life, you will avoid another deadly heart attack. Within 90 days, nine out of 10 stop. And they die. Most people will die rather than change. So the Jewish carpenter said, whosoever will, work with the willing. Whosoever will, let him come. Work with the willing. My sheep shall hear my voice. There are certain people that are going to hear your voice. The road to life is straight and narrow. And few there be that will find it because only a few that are looking for it. <laughs> no, that that that's that's extreme, that's extremely true. And we do exert a lot of energy on people that's really not wanting to change. They might give the persona that they want to change in the moment because they're trying to get something yeah. from you, but that no. doesn't mean that they'll really do it. You're right. No, they're not serious. They're not. And until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, they will never change. <sighs> Man, it just seems like the simulation would be so much better than trial and error. Like, yeah. Of course. Learning but from they, others they as opposed to- They come to themselves to... or they won't. People who don't learn 
have small waistlines and skinny children. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because i'm trying to simulate as much as possible man i'm trying you know i don't want to experience trial and error you know trial takes too no. long and you know time is a luxury no. and you know, can be something that that's been said for years and, and i don't subscribe to it they say experience is the best teacher no experience is a substitute teacher wisdom mm. is the best teacher you can't live alone life making all the mistakes no no you want to tap into somebody else's wisdom that's true it's funny because it seems like that we are kind of taught these cliche things but that be really counterproductive like experience is the best teacher and all that when actually like you said it's not in all cases you don't want to learn from experience that's a very valid point uh, what, in your experience, are some of the misconceptions uh, about manhood that you see out here as far as what the idea is to be a man? We have so many sperm donors. I was a secret. My birth father. He never came back to see about me, nor the carry of the sea. And we need more young men like yourself. We have to be the example early on of what it means to be a man. There's a book that Sidney Poitier wrote that I mentioned earlier, The Measure of a Man. We gotta teach you. What does that really mean? If you look at me doing Facebook, you see my children in the background. And the reason that I have that picture there to make a statement, you know, one of the biggest lies ever told, a, a woman can't raise a boy to be a man. That's a lie. My mother raised me and my brothers to be men. 81% of our households in our community don't have a man there. These women, raising men with the absence of fathers. And so it's gonna take people like you, programs like what you have, educating, expanding and raising the level of awareness of men. And it's gonna take a minute, but what we must do is maintain commitment through all the frustrations, through all the disappointments, through all the setbacks that we're going to invariably encounter in attempting to educate and expand the consciousness of men and how we show up in life. It's gonna take a minute, it won't happen overnight, but I have faith, I am an eternal optimist. I believe it will happen. No, it's beautiful. And uh, actually, I just found out that I, um, about to be a father. So I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, Congratulations. Present. Thank you, thank you. Just found out uh, just a couple of days ago, actually. Uh, but mm. we're super excited. Um, man, that threw my whole next question off. Uh, oh, uh, what would you say, uh, and this kind of ties into the whole misconception of masculinity uh, with how men, currently deal with the feminine energy, um, especially during times of conflict. Uh, it can be very aggressive. It could be, how, what would you say to men who haven't learned to fully communicate what they feel so it manifests in, you know, maybe not the extreme of touching them, but it can, you well, know, first of all, touching them is something that's prevalent. Just during the pandemic, domestic violence increased by 40%. I think early on in elementary school, we should teach young men to respect young females. We need speech, that should be a part of the curriculum, respect. The reason I say, when I get to the end of my speech, this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy. I've always taught my daughters, a man who does not respect his mother will not respect you. 
And I want men and I want young boys to know that I respect my mother and to hold themselves to a higher standard. And so I believe it's a part of the curriculum of what it means to be a man. If we're serious about pushing humanity forward, we have to do more than just facts and figures. We have to talk about what it means to be human, what it means to, to be a father, a wife, a mother. Those are some basic things, common sense, but not common practice. How to make choices in crucial situations. Um, when things go wrong, don't go with them. When, when temperatures go up, uh, intelligence goes down and to pull yourself back. Those are things that don't happen automatically. They must be taught how to be driven by our intelligence rather than our emotions. And I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and I'm, like you said earlier, that you can't let your emotions control you because especially as a man, you can end up in a very bad situation by not staying in control of what your body is doing, especially because emotions control the body. So I agree wholeheartedly no, with you. It definitely yeah, should the, be. The mind control the emotions and yes. the emotions then, uh, what I say, anger is a wind that blows out the lamp of the mind. <laughs> yes, that's a great metaphor, yes. Cause you're not thinking, you're not in your conscious mind when you get angry. No, <laughs> no, no. All your reason goes out the window. Oh man, that is crazy. Uh, well, let me ask you, what is your perspective on mental health as it relates to being an entrepreneur with the stresses of starting your business of getting it off the ground of not really knowing about where, you know, the revenue is going to come from of all the early days before you, you know, got the systems in place where now I'm sure it just kind of comes to you. But before when you were dealing with the stresses of just getting your name known, um, how did you kind of balance the mental health aspect of it? Chris, this is the greatest time in the world. This is the golden age to become an entrepreneur. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chestnut rock, felt in the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. We've gone from brick and mortar to click and order. Anything you want to learn about business, it's available at your fingertips. Anything. People are becoming lawyers. People are studying medicine. All types of things available online. And so that's why I said, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn, no one can stop you. And so every day, millionaires and billionaires are being created because of the internet. Man, that's incredible. And so let, let me leave this with you. It's people like you who bring the light in a time of darkness. It's people like you that give me hope. The journey that I've traveled is much longer than the journey that I have left. So when Tim told me about you and I, I was looking forward to being interviewed by you. I was excited because of young men like you, my daughters, and my granddaughters have some choices that's worthwhile. So, man, I'm glad for this time that we've spent together. I've got another appointment that I wanna make and I'm sure you can edit this out, but I wanna leave this with you. This means a lot to, to me to see you and to be interviewed by you. And you, you give me hope. I thank God for you. You give me hope. <laughs> Continue to allow God to order your steps. Continue as you are now positioned to be a father, 
to live a life that would be an example and not a warning. Continue to take a stand to live a life that will outlive you. There's an anointing on your life. And I'm so glad. And I've been able to spend this time with you. This has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy in Chris's pride and joy. God bless you. And God bless your dream. God bless you. I appreciate you, Mr. Brown. If there is any way I can be of service with anything that you have going on, please do not hesitate. I would love to, again, support in any way I can be of use. Please. Uh, please I tell people you. about my Hungry to Speak training. They'll tell them to go to hungrytospeak.com and, and get the orange, the gold package. Hungrytospeak.com. My goal now you know, you learn, you earn, you pass it on. Train people how they can take their story and their experiences and their knowledge, how they can make a difference, be a voice of influence, how to transform an audience individually and collectively, and how to make their mark. That's hungrytospeak.com. Get the gold package. This has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's Baby Boy and Dorothy Bell's Pride and joy. I got two mothers and I'm not ashamed. I got two mothers and I love them just the same. Oh, you can handle the John Legend voice, my brother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh man, well you have a blessed night and I would love to talk to you in the near future as well, sir. All right, let's do that. Let's stay in touch. God bless you. All righty. Bye for now.